Cinebuds receives support from Associated Bank and Eyes on the Lake. I care and I wear. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Welcome. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. From Radio Milwaukee, I'm Dory Zori. And this is Cinebuds. And this week on Cinebuds, we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew. Don't forget where we came from. have been running our whole lives. Pete, I'm done running. So we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, not to be confused with Guardians of the Galaxy or Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. (laughs) You know, I am a sucker for the Marvel Universe franchise, and I feel like there's been more Guardians movies because the stories are intertwined and all the other Guardians. But, man, Volume 3, I loved. It starts by the group still reeling from the loss of Gamora. Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own. On a mission that makes me wonder the whole time, is this the end of the Guardians? Yeah. And in the podcast, we'll talk about that because I saw some news about it. We can chat about that. No spoilers. No tea. No tea spilled here. But are you a fan of the Guardians movies? Yes. Where does this fit into your liking? I, I, it's weird because I've, I say over and over again, I have to watch all these films because the 13 year old comic book reader in me is so excited that they're all being made. And Guardians of the Galaxy is not a property I was familiar with when I was younger and a lot, and it was a big roll of the dice for Marvel to put this kind of obscure group out there. So I, and I really liked it. It was, I believe maybe the first Marvel movie, the first one was where they really went hard on the comedy. I think that has a lot to do with James Gunn writing and directing. I feel like it just has to. There's a lot of, there's a couple of voices right now that write and direct in the MCU and James Gunn and Taika. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's the other one. Actually, after I watched volume three of this, I went back and watched Thor Ragnarok because I was in the mood for like, oh, I like the, I like when they add all the humor and the beautiful sets. Like this one also had like, visual incredible visual Mm -hmm. elements to it which i think really helped too but it had some differences too we can talk about in the podcast i made sure i saw this in a theater because i wanted to see it on the big screen but i do have to say christopher um i had family members that went to see this before i got a chance to some of them have followed all the mcu movies and loved it and then there were a couple that have never seen any guardians movies and still really deeply connected with this story Oh, really oh that's Mm -hmm. good i will be honest like at the end of the movie, when I look back, overall, really liked it. Really loved a lot of parts of it. But there was, I had a few issues, but not many. And I think my uh, my positives way overweighed my negatives. So. I have tissues for your issues, and I will bring them to the full-on podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Stick around. We'll have more in the podcast. April showers bring May flowers, potholes, and flat tires. If you've been saving up for a rainy day, those days are here. 
If you're in need of a more reliable ride, donate your old one to Radio Milwaukee. Did you know? A single vehicle donation can be almost three times as valuable as a single cash donation. Think of it as a financial super bloom for this public radio station. Learn more by going to RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars. Okay. Oh, we are Let's back. Let's do it. Let's dish. Okay. So I loved the whole... Okay. Mm, how do I even start? The whole time, <laughs> I was trying not to watch any spoilers because the movie had been out for at least four or five days before I had a chance to watch it. And I really thought I, from the things that I had heard, knew how the movie was going to end. And I really let it change how I watched the whole movie. So I was really anxious the whole time. But there were also storylines that I was totally invested in. And it has a lot to do about with Rocket's backstory. Yeah, yeah. Rocket the maybe raccoon. I don't want to spoil anything. He's wondering what he is his whole life. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Not a character I thought would be the highlight and the focus of Guardians 3. Yeah, it was interesting. I knew they were going to have, like, based on the trailer, a little bit his backstory, which I think is for a group. It's great to set in motion our general story. Now we can dig in on some of the details of our characters, which is really nice. But his personality is like one of the standouts of the franchise. So I thought that made perfect sense. I will say that whole storyline and, you know, intermixed with other stuff in the film. I think this movie is a low key vegetarian propaganda film. (laughs) Yes. As I was watching it, because if you were an animal lover, it's a little challenging to yeah. watch as an animal lover. Absolutely. But it is also, there's a lot of moments of real satisfaction as an animal lover in here too. Again, don't want to spoil too much, but you're going to get both of those. Mm-hmm. So if you're worried about the, the sensitivity level, understandable, and you have to judge that for yourself, there's some stuff that's that's challenging. But it is also very satisfying for an animal lover to watch this. Oh my gosh, I totally agree. And Guardians have always done that. Like a lot of the MCU stuff if you're really paying attention, they're addressing real world issues in this fantasy land that they've created. And I guess that's how comics have been, right? A lot yeah. of good comics really talk about what's going on politically and socially in the culture at the time they're being written. Yeah, X-Men was about racism. Right. <laughs> it was pretty much for that was the most clear metaphor ever. But yeah, a lot of them do that. So I did enjoy that. I also enjoyed the new faces in this movie. There was a, like new bad guys, uh, new good guys. Yeah. I think if you are a fan of the Guardians movies, they did a really good job like giving you special Easter eggs from the first movies, whether yeah. it was like short scenes with characters that maybe had a bigger part in the other movies kind of brought back here. Yeah, well, I just want to get this out of the way. That leads into the only real issue I had with the movie. Yes, let's talk about that. And I'll get it out of the way because it's really not that big a deal. I was excited when I saw the trailer because they had a little bit like you got new characters, backstory on your favorites. You have this storyline, but they had a lot of storylines. Like really they had, they talked about Gamora and they dealt with that character, like the kind of uh, what happens after that happens in the other Marvel films where you see I mean, it's is a spoiler at this point. No, probably not. It's not. They, she dies alert. in one of the other films. Right. Yet mm-hmm. she's in this film. Mm-hmm. And that's, we won't spoil that. But <laughs> we know that. Uh, the Rocky backstory, there's a bit of about the Ravagers and you have a new leader of the Ravagers in, the, in that story. 
Star-Lord's grandpa. Like, is it, am I going to go back and visit my grandpa? It's like, and then they also have Adam Warlock, which is played by Will Poulter, who's like a new up-and-coming megastar. That character is extremely pointless. Wait, the golden? The golden mm-hmm. man who is from, I think, the Kree? I think it's a, an alien race that are in the second movie. Yep. They bring it back, and he's this, like, young, kind of naive but very powerful character. And he does kind of set off a couple things. He has some pinnacle moments, but genuinely those two moments could have been handled in a number of different ways. <laughs> and his character seems so pointless. The only thing I can think of is that they're just trying to set it up for some future. That's what it film seems or, yeah. like. Yeah. That if there isn't a different incarnation of guardians, he may or may not be part of the gang. Yeah, that could be it. If- I, either way, it was like, it didn't ruin anything. It's just mm-hmm. I kept thinking there's not enough. A couple of those storylines, there wasn't enough of them for them to even be more than a reference. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. The ones that you do get invested in in the film, I was very invested in. And as the comedy and the action amped up and you start to see the fun little things that you remember, you see Groot do his thing. Mm-hmm. He had a v- few moments where he really shined, you know, those like favorite things. Then I kind of let the rest of it go. Yeah, he I, there was a moment, I think, where they were explaining why his character was kind of such a doofus or yeah. something <laughs> and i think his um Groot? no not Groot. Uh, um the new oh, the adam warlock yeah adam yeah, warlock yeah. Uh, i think is was that his mom yes said he was pulled from his incubation chamber <laughs> yeah. too early which is yeah. kind of like oh, okay i get it yeah. like, he's <laughs> he's very naive he's very naive they did have adorable animals and slash creatures and aliens in this one mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, will this be the first or maybe second Marvel movie that I cry at? <laughs> You've never cried at a Marvel second, movie? Black Panther 2 I cried at yeah. thrice. Uh, and then, but this one I was like, oh, I'm getting close to all these adorable animals. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that was um, really great, but also, and really was telling a story about friendship and having your crew and your clan and your people around you yeah. and what that means. So I thought that was really special. But yeah, it, it showed a lot about animal experimentation, which was kind of reminding me a lot of like, I know I'm doing a little crossover here, but yeah. like Wolverine and <laughs> like the movies where it oh, showed yeah. how he kind of yeah. just, oh, man, science in the hands of wrong people and experimentations, <laughs> just awful. I also feel like this movie could have been sponsored by PETA yeah, or something yeah. like oh, that. Yeah, too. Exactly. But um, one of my favorite parts, like you said, it, the comedy and everything kind of amped up a little bit. And while this movie was two and a half hours in the theater, it did not feel like it to me. Most of the Marvel movies that are this long never feel it because mm-hmm. it's, it's like whenever I see that, everyone goes, oh, so long. I'm like, you are not going to notice that in the theater. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it goes by so fast. There's so much going on. My favorite fight scene, though, might have been two hours into it. And while I didn't realize how much I was missing it until it happened. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, you know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about in the airlock where they just, I mean, had like yeah. the epic fight scene that they usually have sometimes in the very beginning oh, yeah. of the movies. that's a good point. It was more adventure at the beginning and then mm-hmm. the fighting. Yeah. Is that the one uh, where they're in that fancy, that very colorful place? And I think Nathan Fillion is in that. Nathan Fillion. Yeah. How great was it that the dude from Firefly was <laughs> yeah, in this movie? And these very beefy, weird outfits. I can't say enough about the costumes and the set design in this one. 
it, that's what reminded me of uh, Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, mm-hmm. is that there was a lot of moments, there was a lot of dark moments like you'll get in outer space, obviously, and the rough and tumble areas, but they had these bright moments and these sets and costumes that were just really fun and wild. And that, I love that the fight scene is set in one of those. Yeah. So you get all this fighting and violence, but you also have a fun outfit to yeah. match with it. It's so good. The other yeah. thing, Christopher, too, I was thinking if, Anyone out there listening hasn't seen the movie yet, but you've got someone in your life that's really into makeup in movies. Oh, yeah. I think kind of what you said, the cr- different creatures yeah. that they showed, like the makeup is so amazing. And I know some of it's probably digital now, but also I think, you know, if I did a little bit more research before this podcast, I might find out that it all is truly just proper makeups yeah, and what they were able to do with like just imagining creatures from other galaxies, but still making them relatable in some way I think is so magical. And so for someone who is into that kind of thing, this movie is a perfect, perfect thing to watch with the person who might want to go to special effects or makeup in your life too. too. I realized something recently, which is that I am becoming a fan of Dave Bautista. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I would never have thought those words would come out of my mouth like 10 years ago. When he was just a wrestler. Well, I mean, even when he was in the first couple of movies, I was like, I get it. You're a big guy. You've we, we need big guys to play strong people in movies. And that happens a lot. And often you don't think twice about them. And but he has really steadily shown chops. We talked about uh, Knock at the Cabin Door, that film, yes. where he actually got to play against type, which is rare for a big, hulky actor like him. And I thought he was great in that. And that made me take another look at the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies, where he is not. And I thought, well, it's fine. They dress him up. He plays what is essentially a throwaway, big, fighty character. Who's you know it's he's funny because he's focused he's very literal he doesn't understand jokes really mm-hmm. but as he starts to learn that and try to like <laughs> adapt to how these other people talk and he does it clumsily but he also you find out he's got a big heart which is I love a I love a gentle giant even though he's not gentle <laughs> but like a sweet sweet giant I genuinely think he's hilarious in these movies I like I said I went back and watched the second one recently. He's so funny in it. And then his relationship with Mantis Mm -hmm. is hilarious and adorable because both of them are confused about so many things. And it's like the blind leading the blind, which is very funny. Um, But anyway, I I just think he's he's really good. And I look forward to seeing him in more. Good. I'm really glad. And I'm glad that you turned a corner with him because (laughs) I think from one of the first things he said in the first movie, I think I was hooked for some reason. It also helps that I live with a big wrestling fan True, yeah. and was familiar with him uh, in a totally different capacity. But yeah. yeah, him and Mantis in this movie were adorable. There were so many special moments. In fact, so much going on in two and a half hours that I am going to try to get back to a theater to see it again on the big screen. Oh. Not that I don't have a television at home, but it really, when you talk about movies and the joy of being in a theater, this is the exact kind of movie you want. Yeah. Bigger than life with proper sound, with, you know, you being able to pay attention to every single detail because you are at the movies, not grabbing my phone when there's yeah. a slow moment or being distracted by anything. Yeah. I think it's a real treat to see a movie like this yeah. in the theater. For sure. It is currently playing at 
pretty much every movie theater, but most especially at the Oriental Theater. Oh, I will always choose locally owned and operated whenever possible. Yeah, no, there's a lot of great places showing it, but it's, yeah, it's, it was really good. How do you feel about all the music in the movies? Like, I think the Guardians movies were known from the beginning for playing really interesting and fun contemporary music. I... Maybe the only, my only negative thing about this is I feel like they use too much contemporary music. Yeah. For some reason. You know, I did notice that because the whole cachet of the first film was that he it worked into the plot. He has this cassette with all these 80s hits on it. Uh, was it 70s or 80s? I think it was 80s. That's 70s. Yeah, 80s. Se- was, I think 70s and 70s, 80s. 80s yeah. Because he was like, the first movie started in the early 80s when he was yeah. a kid. Yeah. So that was the soundtrack. It was like really easy and really fun because it's a space movie. And then you have all these like pop songs or, or rock songs. So, and I think they did it more in the, in the second one. Uh, but then, yeah, I did notice they did a little bit of that, of that same kind of era, but then they worked in, you know, like Radiohead mm-hmm. and Flaming Lips and stuff. I thought all the choices were nice, right. but yeah, not as consistent to the story, I guess. I would have enjoyed a little bit more like orchestral uh, soundtracks yeah. with some of the stuff. But the fight scene that I was thinking about that I love at the end and the Beastie Boys song was Oh, like, yeah, that's true. No sleep till! Match made in heaven for I do, me. Anytime a Beastie Boys song comes out, I'm like, either someone's going to walk in in slow-mo. Right. Uh, or there'll be a fight scene. There's like one moment where he like grabs for his cassette. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Lord does, and which is just is nice because you know it's it connects it to everything else where he's like, oh, I gotta go back for my cassette, which is precious. But it was also just like a quick little throwaway. It's again, you do too many things in one movie. Speaking of the soundtrack and how they kind of get away with it, I've always thinking a lot about third movies. Mm-hmm. Like people talk about sequels a lot. The third movie is usually just a cash grab. Mm. Like it's. I feel like once you get three into a film and maybe the Marvel universe is different because they have a very big overarching plan. So I I feel like you don't get as many flops with third movies with them. Mm -hmm. So, and this wasn't, this was really, I think this was really entertaining, but they do. I feel like there's two things that they do. Either they like forget about the first two movies and like, let's just, we're an established presence. Like the third Austin powers is a good example. That was an insane movie. Which one was that one? That was one? Goldmember, I think. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I thought it was hilarious, mm-hmm. at least at the time. Mm-hmm. Because not only did, because the second movie just made the same references. The third one did too. But then they sort of made fun of the fact that they were doing the same thing. I think Dr. Who goes on and here's the part where I say this. Self-awareness in a movie is yeah. wonderful. And it got really absurd. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so either you go that direction where, like, listen, people are going to show up. Let's just do something. Let's just swing for the fences. Or it's like, oh, let's just do what we did in the other ones. But at this point, we've kind of forgotten what the special thing was about the first one. So we can't really reproduce it. It's like making a copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah. And we've all seen multiplicity. We know that does not work. (laughs) Yeah. Bad thing. (laughs) Hijinks will ensue. Sure. But I feel like with the Marvel films, it doesn't happen as often. So I feel like there was like. The bones of that problem were in this movie, but it still came off nicely. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And now I that thought made me think of our Instagram question for the week, Christopher. Oh, How yeah. about if anyone out there has a third movie 
in a series that they either thought was great yeah. and why, or why it just, you know, left one and two <laughs> yeah. in the dust because <laughs> those were good and the yeah. third one was garbage. Either the best example of a third movie or the worst. That's a good way to say it. That's a better way to say it, in fact. No, no we're just workshopping. <laughs> Everything we do is workshopping. If I would started, you would have you would have summed it up better. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, that would be really good. I have a doozy in mind, but I'll save it for uh, the Instagram. <laughs> I have one too, but I am also going to save it for Instagram. <laughs> oh, good. That's exciting. I mean, not surprising that this movie got a lot of great reviews on all the social media platforms. Yeah. Um, probably broke some box office records. It looks like it's nominated for some awards. Best music supervision for a trailer. <laughs> well, go, oh, wow. go get that hot yeah. award. <laughs> I know. Well, I was going to, oh, I mentioned, like, I think earlier that I did hear, see some headline that was about this is wrapping up uh, like at least Chris Pratt's mm -hmm. venture with Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if that's official, but it seemed like they were discussing it as if. So this is the end of this franchise, or at least in this form of like a standalone film. Yep. So I don't know if that's just a choice by the actors, or some of the actors are just kind of like, we're going to move on, or mm -hmm. if it's just like they have bigger plans in the MCU. We'll dig into that and find out more. But I think that's what I had heard before this movie, and that's why I was making some assumptions on yeah. how it was going to end. Um, but they did a really good job keeping the ending a secret. You really didn't know who was going to make it through, who survives, who's going on, who's retiring yeah. from the Guardians. But what a great movie. And now I'm thinking of slow motion walk sequences. I have oh, to say yeah. I yelled out loud. I couldn't help myself in the theater because Guardians did that well in the first couple movies where yeah. there's always a moment where they're getting ready for battle <laughs> yeah. and they turn around, they're all walking together. That happened a couple times during the movie, but it wasn't the right group at the yeah, right time. So right. when it happened at the end... Um, if you were in the Avalon Theater and thought that was annoying slash funny, sorry, you're welcome. But I could not keep my mouth quiet. Um, I might have even clapped. What did you say? I think I was like, <laughs> that's what I do when I get excited. No, that no one could find that unpleasant. Yeah, I, when they showed that, they showed like that, that beautiful still. Yeah, it was pretty good. I love it. What else are we watching? Yeah. Uh, first, I want to say before we do that, that I want a baby raccoon. I already wanted a baby raccoon in my mm -hmm. life, but now more than ever after seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. I have always loved raccoons as They're well. So they are so cute. But I'd also take a bunny with metal spider legs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Poor little bunny. Um, I will say that it's not a film, but I watched the new John Mulaney comedy special, Baby J. I watched that did too. Did you? Mm -hmm. What did you think? I... Was not like necessarily a fan or not a fan. Okay. I think I was just like, you know what? This seems like a good thing to watch. I loved it. Yeah. I thought his delivery was really cool. I thought how he talked about everything that he's been personally going through in a clever way was because he had gone into rehab yeah, recently. Yeah. Pretty serious stuff, actually. Right. And that's what most of the special was about. And yeah. I did not expect that. But he did it in a way where the audience, I think, was mostly comfortable, but also a little uncomfortable, right, which is yeah. really what comedy, the yeah. good comedy is all about. If you're good, you can do that and then bring them around. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. I There was a moment at the beginning where he started real soft. Where he's, I mean, it seems soft for him because he was talking about 
pretending his grandma was dead when he was to get attention when he was younger. Yeah. And that's a funny bit, but I was like, okay. But then after right after that was just like a little mm-hmm. warm up to then launch into just about the fact that he was addicted to pills and cocaine, had to go into rehab, and that's the entire set. Yeah. And it was very it was one of those comedy specials you get where it's like, oh, he's being brutally honest, still very funny, but still taking it seriously, mm-hmm. but then throwing in some like bits about, you know, that kind of deflated a little. But you can tell his intention the whole time. I've always been a fan back in the like um, Kroll show days when he was on Kroll show and they did uh, the uh, Oh, Hello, Guys, the two guys, the Too Much Tuna. Oh, hello. Oh, I do not oh, remember. Oh, you don't know. The, oh, I should go back and watch it. They show. did. Him and Nick Kroll did. Actually, the characters got so popular that they did a Broadway. They had a run on Broadway for a couple of years that was very popular. And now you can see it on Netflix. Highly recommend the Oh Hello on Netflix. It is very funny. It's the Broadway show, and then they have a special guest every time come up for one segment. But it actually is a little play about these two characters uh, who are old old men from New York, and they're absolutely ridiculous and vulgar and terrible. I love them. But anyway, that was uh, what I, I liked him from then. But then when I started seeing his stand-up, uh, it's just so smart, and his, you're right. His delivery is real specific and stylish for him, like very recognizable. Anyway, the loved o- it. The only thing that I really knew him from before I knew his name, but didn't watch any of that stuff was he did a kids special like during COVID, <laughs> and I watched yeah. it because Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. <laughs> but listening to his story about rehab, I couldn't help but think, yeah, that special was nuts. <laughs> like. I don't I think see. he did that when he was sober. I think that was pre-checking in to the facility, that, perhaps. Yeah, that happened after Oof. he had gotten a couple of um, a couple of specials and got some started to get real big attention. And he's like, "Let's try this." He also had a sitcom that was very very short lived, a very failed sitcom, and that was a weird, yeah, the kids show variety show thing was very strange. It was very strange. So it's funny to me that that would be your introduction to him because it's. So- it's maybe not the most representative, but that's really funny. Well, then going into that comedy special when that's all I think about yeah, with him was a real interesting juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah. One last thing about the comedy special. Yeah. I really did enjoy how he was bringing other like he made it like his intervention was a who's who of stand up comedy yeah. and comedy in TV, too, because John Mulaney was a writer for a while. Yeah. So I did like all the name dropping he did in a super funny way yeah. um, of the people that were a part of his intervention. So. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. What else have you been watching? Well, I watched the Princess Bride movie on YouTube that was made during quarantine. Wait, what's that? So I don't, it was a benefit for the World Kitchen. Okay. Um, are you familiar with the World Kitchen? I know. Um, Jose Andres ha- has this um, nonprofit called World Kitchen. And what that does is there's a natural disaster somewhere. He, Him and his crew will fly into that place as a city, a country, a continent is under distress and fly in and cook and feed people, oh first responders, people that are suffering. So World Kitchen is this great um, nonprofit to start with. But it was um, filmed during quarantine, and I don't know how they organized it, but it was the Princess Bride, shot for shot, line for line, done by an upwards of 80, maybe 100 different 
superstars, actors, singers, <laughs> um, TV people, theater people, and they all shot it individually. So people must have gotten like a scene to do. They oh, shot it however they wanted, and then someone pieced it together. And it is the Princess Bride in the most delightful retelling of a bunch of different familiar faces yeah. that you know and love. It's delightful. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Watch it. Great. It it's heartwarming. So when you say are they are they in their homes essentially recreating it? Yep. So okay. everyone you could see they were working really with what they had in their house out in their backyard. Um oh, that sounds great. Yeah. It's just in short chapters featuring different people at home during quarantine. And some people are taking it very seriously and being fun with it. Some yeah. people are being kind of cheesy and you can see them kind of playing to the camera yeah. at the time. And then there's like just wonderful, I don't know, it's just wonderful to see how each of those actors that were in it chose to portray those scenes yeah. and the special effects that happen in the scenes. Like it was just super oh, cute. Yeah. And I'm already thinking like about my favorite lines and wondering who Did got them. to say them. Yeah. So, but the neat thing too was like the main characters, like there was eight different buttercups throughout right, the whole movie. Right. right. So that was really neat. But one of my favorites was when Neil Patrick Harris and his husband did the scene of when Buttercup and Prince, well, Wesley, but she didn't know he was Wesley yeah. at the time, like were falling and rolling down the hill <laughs> and ended up together and like smooching. Um, that was one of my favorite parts. I'm like, how great to be able to play this iconic yeah. role and, and say these iconic lines to your husband yeah, and right. have this moment. It was pretty cool. Oh my gosh, that's really great. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, you can see people's pets and kids. It's pretty great. I genuinely think that's a flaw. One of a movie that I could point to and say that's a flawless movie. Yeah. Like and, that's there's no criticisms of that movie. And usually when people try to remake stuff, you know, that's not cool, but oh, you no, will be delighted. Yeah, You'll yeah. Be this delighted. is just like a fun. I love that. All right. That's great. Yay. This has been good. Very good. It's nice to be back with you, my friend. I know. Back in person after uh, the festival and your festivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice to be here. It's nice to be back. So thanks, everybody, for listening who made it to the end. Don't forget our Instagram question is what is your favorite or least favorite movie number three in a series? And we are very excited because the wonderful Kiri Salinas produces our show. And thank you to Brett Newski for our super fun theme song. That's right. And we are sponsored by Associated Bank. And eyes on the lake, eye care, and eyewear. Woohoo! We could not do this without them. We could not do this without you, our members from both Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. Thank you guys so much. See you at the movie theater. Yeah.